Happy Friday. It's the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Justin Nanalish on a St. Patrick's Day morning. Big day. We're already planning our one beer for later on. Yeah, I'm going to have a nice crispy boy. A crispy boy? Crispy boy later. I think I might have a single crispy boy as well. You know, you kind of have to, right? It's just when is the question, right? When to have said crispy boy. Definitely an afternoon crispy boy today, watching some NCAA. And that's the key, right? The NCAA tournament. It's so on. nice. All day. Like, you could you could justify that crispy boy at 12.15. Maybe brunch is a little aggressive. Don't want to be done the one that's beer. That's nap time for us anyway. Yeah. Now Before it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good day, good weekend ahead. We already saw some great basketball being played. Yeah, we have, and you got to pace yourself. If yesterday's alert, you know, we learned anything from yesterday. It's definitely got to pace yourself through a full day of March Madness plus a Raptors game on the tail yeah, end. Yeah, it can there. be a lot of consuming. <laughs> Could be a lot of consuming. So yeah, where and when with that crispy boy, but. uh what stood out in the basketball world? Do you want to start Raps? you want to start March Madness? A What's... great day for basketball in general. You know? The amateur, the NCAA, and the Toronto Raptors. Of course. Let's go Raptors, though, because, you know, they're the talk of town today. Are they? I thought that was another good win, man. Like, things might be turning around. Don't let them get home floor at any point. This is what I'm saying. Six straight win at home. That's Coach Man. There's something going on in the vibes of the arena there because... The Maple Leafs have one of the best home records in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So does Elias Samsonov himself. And now the Toronto Raptors, six straight wins at home. And they have the next stretch. Almost every single game is at home. They got one little road trip here. But they are cruising on home court. I don't know what it is. It's the, the dining in the arena. It's the drive to the rink, coming down the DVP, seeing the iconic tower. I don't know what the vibe is, but just... Play at home. <laughs> Play at home. Personalized parking spot, maybe? Something like that. The ushers bring them in. The crowd. Maybe there's a really good chef working for the team. Whatever it is, don't change it up because they've been pretty dynamite at home. I don't know if this is a conundrum, but, like, there's a big... We're talking about the plan and the big difference between 8 and 9. I guess one of the differences is that you play your first home game mm. at home if you're ninth. However, you still have to go on the road and win, so that's... Definitely not, hey, but if you want to start, you start on the right foot, with a win, I like if it's it. all about momentum, getting that first win, and then having to go on the road and, I guess, do exactly what you need to do in the first game, which would be played on the road, you definitely want the eighth. Yeah, of course, but still. And, but then you get the do-or-die game at home if you lose that first one. <laughs> anyway. A win and in at home. Either way, a win and in. Well, you don't get a win and in, I guess, if you if you come eighth and, and you do win that first game. But it's just like we can look at this team differently at home. It's like nice. It's like a, you just put the horse blinders on. You're like, wow, this is a great team. <laughs> they just win. Mm-hmm. And then you, wait a second. They're bad on the road. They just came home from a road trip where they got were one and four, but whatever. Positives here is that it looks like they're stringing together a couple good performances. Obviously, their big win against the Nuggets two days ago. And then this scrappy OKC team, who I love watching. They're just fun and young. And they obviously got some big superstars in the making on that team, but they were six and seven in their last stretch. They're playing really well. So this wasn't just a team with a similar record. This is a team that's trying to play in for something as well. Like they're, they're grinding. So Raptors now within a half game of eighth place Atlanta in the East. So things are within reach. They're within grasp. And with a lot of home games, as you laid out, um, I don't know. We said it after the Yakupertal acquisition, after they didn't do much at the deadline. Well, this is what they should do. Yeah, I mean, I still believe what they should do is come eighth in the Eastern Conference at minimum and play in that 7-8 play-in game. Uh, But at least with the home games that are scheduled, the home games that are ahead, we can feel a little bit better than that. I I mean, that's kind of the... It was kind of the perfect recipe to feel good with home court and the Oklahoma City Thunder Mm -hmm. coming in. Like, I kind of... They remind me of, like... Oh, you love Shea. I love Shay. I Who love doesn't, him. Though, I mean, honestly. Do you not? You I love watch Shea. that game and you do not? I, I love Shay. Our buddy Michael Grange loves Shay. Tell you that much. Just pause on that. Michael Grange wrote an incredible, incredible article popping off online, sportsnet.ca. You gotta check it out. He breaking down Shay mm-hmm. and talking about his ceiling as a Canadian basketball star in the making. And he he asked the question, will he ever be Steve Nash, right? And, and the Steve Nash level is back-to-back MVPs, mm-hmm. right? And, and so so out- this is what we're talking about, a guy who he didn't win an NBA championship, had a lot of heartbreak in the playoffs, 
but back-to-back MVPs, can another Canadian, can Shea Gilgis-Alexander get to a level where he's outplaying someone, a Canadian, mm-hmm. who won back-to-back MVPs in the NBA? And so I don't. I think you just got to go and read out, read the layout of this article because he does a really good job at breaking it down. And then Steve Nash obviously gets wind of this article, which is impeccable. Quote tweets, Michael Grange's tweet, which said, there could never be a Canadian basketball player better than Hall of Famer, two-time MVP, top 75 Steve Nash. Could there? Maybe not, but SGA has put together a masterpiece this season and has set himself up to take a run at the legend. Steve Nash quote tweets is saying, yes, he can love Shea's game. So then all the eyes go back to Michael Grange's article and mm-hmm. you know the legend Steve Nash is saying that there's there's a way that Shea could be better than him, Steve Nash. And obviously Steve Nash, great, humble guy, amazing leader. But And Grange did talk to Steve Nash for the piece as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe they, I don't, maybe that was endorsed before it was endorsed on Twitter from Steve Nash. But that's that's a good thing to see that. You know, he's supportive of that. And it's great that someone else is in that conversation because for so long, Steve Nash was this like massive, massive outlier. Like how mm-hmm. did Steve Nash... How did Canada produce Steve Nash? And how is Steve Nash doing what he's doing on the NBA stage when we have no history or precedent of this? But now we we know. Toronto, GTA, Canada, basketball factory. Some of the great players every draft seem to be Canadian. A handful into the NBA every single year. Uh, and we're still wearing, still waiting for that to like show itself on the international stage in major competition internationally. Uh, but there's no doubt that Canada basketball is at a place that I probably thought it would never be at. And superstars when I was growing up in NCAA right now. And super, March Madness. superstars in the NBA in March Madness. The best player in college basketball mm-hmm. right now is Zach Eady, and he's Canadian. Like it's the the list is long and seemingly endless. Yeah, kind of a perfect night though if you love Canadian basketball and you like the Raptors because you got to see Shea, who had a pretty good performance. And you got to read the article that Michael Grange set up, tee yourself up, and then the Toronto Raptors get a 128-111 win. And Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam have bounced back performances. Fred keeps being Fred. Things are looking up, honestly. And I'd, I'd like to put pause on getting too excited, but this has been the Raptors' season all along. They have really nice highs where you see with the way that this team can win games and how they could be a really tough playing opponent and at the beginning of the season where we had high expectations, at least for a roster that has talent, hasn't been able to find the right meshing. They haven't been able to find a bench that's productive. Their superstars haven't all been superstars at the same point. Like there's been some areas of resistance and hiccups, but a game like that last night, I don't know how you can really leave with anything but satisfaction that this team can be really great. It would be just nice to see some consistency with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of like the why, the reason why the Raptors have been better, got the win last night over Oklahoma City Thunder in particularly, you could start at the top or you could start at the bottom. I mean, if we're starting at the bottom, Precious Achua did not hit the floor. A DND for old Precious Achua. And unfortunately deservingly so. And and unfortunately (laughs) deserving so because he's been a guy who's really disrupted the rhythm when he's come off the bench and unable to sort of build a meaningful chemistry with Gary Trent Jr. And a lot of what the starters have been able to do has been undone by the bench in recent games, or at least even in recent victories, but losses, recent losses on the road. The bench just completely kills this team. Mm-hmm. And Nick Nurse decided tonight or last night, hey, I'm not going to let this happen. He's not seeing the floor. Okay, so that's one of the reasons the bench didn't have issues. But you could start at the very top. And Pascal Siakam, who's been struggling for the last couple weeks, was... Maybe not like full-fledged superstar mode, but was the Pascal Siakam that you expected efficient, assertive, confident, mm-hmm. all the good things that you expect from Pascal Siakam? I don't know if he out. I don't know if he was the best player on the on the floor. I don't know if he outplayed Shea Gilgis Alexander, but that doesn't really matter because Pascal Siakam was doing what we expect him to do from the Toronto Raptors, which is to be a leader offensively and not hurt this team with his offensive performance. I liked, I don't know if it was because Precious didn't play, but he did some... I think there's, a, there's bench- definitely a bit of that. Better chemistry with other people. Well, well, I, the, my my point there was like, okay, so Precious saw less time, but Siakam saw time with bench units mm-hmm. and was yeah. really, really good, right? So I think that's a huge difference, Siakam to, to Precious, but maybe just, you know, massaging situations a little bit better to give you know, the unit's a chance to have someone to rely on rather than be like, okay, Precious, Gary, figure it out. 
it was Pascal playing with some of the, the depth guys, and that worked really, really well. But across the board, every everyone did their job, including Nurse for sitting precious, I guess. But you saw great point guard play from Freddie. You saw two athletes making a difference at both ends in OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes. And you saw Jakob Pertl was kind of quiet for most of the game, step up in the fourth quarter with really brilliant offensive rebounding, hitting his free throws, and doing those intangible things that they were without for a long time from bigs. So the starting lineup was brilliant. Gary Trent did a lot off the bench, and the bench didn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's the recipe for success if you're the Toronto Raptors. So for Pascal, yesterday before the game, we teed up the fact that he seemed like he was being just a little bit less aggressive, getting into the paint and getting fouled and getting to the line. In the last six games before t- last night, he only had 10 free throw attempts. In the first six minutes of last night's game, he had six shots because he just changed his attack mode. He was hungry. It was grittier. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't hit many of those shots. I think that's a point of uh, practice maybe the next little while. I guess if you're not getting them, you're, you're not as uh, dialed in when the opportunity comes. But that's just a different level of Pascal play, a different look into his aggressiveness. And we did get um, some comments on Siakam game about wanting to be more aggressive. Yeah, I think I wanted to be aggressive. Um, you know, obviously... Um, forgot to shoot free throws because I don't think I've been there in so long. <laughs> Felt so foreign uh, being at the free throw line, but um, but now nah, I just wanted to be aggressive um, and um, just play with, like, you know, just be decisive, uh, have a little bit more energy, and um, yeah, that's kind of like was was my mindset. And so often throughout the last month, maybe of, of Pascal being. Not characteristic of Pascal. It was one or two guys, mostly Gary, or mostly Fred VanVleet, having to to shoulder the load over the last couple of games. At least he played he played pretty well. Um, and both of them, Siakam and Fred VanVleet, were asked about you. Know, how does it feel to have two guys play well in the same night? Like you're two stars. It's kind of tongue in cheek, right? But it is a really important perspective to say if one guy's doing it all. We've seen exhaustion. We saw Pascal's playing the most minutes of the entire NBA. Like, that can weigh on you. They both have been hot at different times. Mm. Last night, they both played pretty well and led this team to victory. So Siakam was asked about how much that changes the offensive makeup of this team, having him and Fred both click in the same night. I think it's good for, you know, we, we, we have to be able to pull games where we, we all playing well. Um because I know we can do it. We have the personnel to do it. Um, and I think just, just continue to get better, um, understanding each other's spots and, and, and making sure that, you know, we just play together, communicate. Um, but, but, yeah, we're going to need every single person on this team, you know, for us to be able to make a run. Including yourself, but it's part of that answer for sure. Definitely, definitely. Ben, uh, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to talk about Ben Taylor. <laughs> yeah, let's get to Ben Taylor. So yesterday, uh, refing. I like I like the I like the Ben Taylor thing because everyone can kind of relate, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had like a little incident with someone or whatever, and then all of a sudden you have to work together again, or you have to be Quite in their presence, and it's just like, okay, how, how are we going to do this right now? Are we gonna Are we gonna get along? Are we gonna ignore each other? And that's exactly what we had last night I don't with Freddie. I don't know how um, far ahead they get the referee report of who's going to be head in the court with them. I, I wonder if they did this purposely. Like, let's get this over with. Let's just. Let's just maybe if you're the NBA, like let's let's not let this build up. Let's not let it be a thing. Let's just throw it back into the mix and and move on. So la- almost a week removed, a, a little bit over a week since the Ben Taylor mm-hmm. fiasco. Obviously, we remember Fred VanVleet saying that he was bleep and bleep and bleep and uh, called Ben and that Taylor he out. the game up. He bleeped a lot, a lot of bleeping, uh, but specifically called Ben Taylor, referee Ben Taylor, out. Um, at the podium after the Siakam, sorry, after the Scotty Barnes game, and then two days later, the Nuggets game, and there's a lot going on there, and he made it very much uh, known that he thinks that Ben Taylor kind of had it out for him. He knew exactly how many texts that Ben Taylor had given him in his career. He knew exactly who the guy was. So last night, Ben Taylor refing the Raptors game, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. I don't know how – I didn't have a great level of comfortability in this not being – blowing up in anyone's faces, but it was just, it was fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point. That, it like, was fine. You kind of both have to be on your best behavior. like if Because everybody's watching. Because Ben Taylor can't be hero mode because he's going to be, um, like, criticized and critiqued and, like, all <laughs> the eyes are going to be on him. And then Freddie, of course. I mean, like, if you go back at him again, it's just like, all right, you're 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 asking for another, 
he said what he needed to say. He mm-hmm. got off his chest. And frankly, he got off pretty much scot-free for saying what he said. Again, I've never really heard anything that grating in terms of a criticism for a specific official from yeah, anyone in, in my like history of watching sports and watching press conferences. So I think he got his money's worth and I'm glad that they were able to move on. I mean, I'm sure it'll be revisited one day though. One day these two are going to run into each other again. I think, yeah, you're right. Everyone's on their best behavior. Just, oh, I'm just going to play my game. I'm just going to ref my game. We'll just try to not interact at all. We'll just go about our business. And that was nice. Maybe you're right. Get it over with. Rip the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Now, We'll see how many more games Ben Taylor refs here in Toronto, but it's nice that it wasn't a storyline last night. It was nice that it wasn't a storyline. Um, all right, what else do you have? Uh, you wanted to talk about why you, the Thunder are dangerous. Oh, I mean, okay, so I guess, like, yeah, uh, you know, we got to see more of this from the Raptors. Like, we got, I think you got to consider the opponent a little bit. Like, they played well here. They just beat Denver. Yeah, the home cooking has been very, very good to them. But the Thunder are a team you should do that against. And I like kind of watching them. I'm like, they're really exciting to watch. I mean, if I'm a fan of the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm pretty happy right now. You got Shea, you got all these draft picks. You got a team that is very, very exciting in a couple, well, namely Jalen Williams that are very, very uh, interesting to watch. Um, but It's going to be tough too, calling a game with two Jalen Williams. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they have like specific nicknames, like one's J-Dub or J-Will. I don't know. Anyway. They figure it out. Jalen Williams one, in line. One of them will one of them will outplay the other, and <laughs> that one will survive, and the other one won't. Um, but this team is like, it's the perfect team to kind of show your skill set off against because the Thunder are, if nothing else, game right. I kind of liken them to a boxer that doesn't really have much regard to their health. Like they're just going to trade with you. They'll go blow for blow with you, and they're dangerous that way because. You're going to go blow for blow, and they can land a knockout punch every time. But if you're the more skilled team, which the Raptors are, you should be able to win that matchup because they're willing to engage you in exactly what you want to do. The Raptors are more talented. They have more. They're more experienced. So they should be able to win a game like that, and they did. So credit to them for doing that. But the Thunder are like the perfect canvas for (laughs) showing off when things are going well. And I think we saw that last night. But if things are dysfunctional, if you have Precious to chew out there, kind of lost and and creating havoc internally, that's when a team like that will take advantage of you. So I, I, I like watching the Thunder because they're game, and I think I like watching a boxer because they're game and they want to bring the fight to you, and it seemed like that's what the Thunder are right now, which is not the worst thing in the world, especially when you're a team that's on the rise and not really expected to do much. And it shows, I think, in their their record where they're just a couple games below 500. They're in the mm-hmm. play-in mix in the Western Conference, which I don't think many people expected them to be. They're a fun team to watch because their game and I, I, that the Raptors stepped up and were able to do what they were supposed to do is, is I guess, my like take-home message from that game, that it was an impressive performance from them. So, yeah, OKC 34-36, and 36, Raptors 34-36. and 36. So identical rap- records after last night's performance. Raptors are back on the court um, tomorrow against the Timberwolves, the same time the Leafs are on the ice, but they're in Ottawa. Tonight, the Leafs face Carolina at home, and uh, we got lots to tee up for that. We're going to have a Hall of Famer on the show a little later. Mm-hmm. Mark Recchi, who is a three-time Stanley Cup champ with the Hurricanes for one of those. Um, he's going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour. We're yeah, gonna... contributed to my heartbreak. I was a... Uh... Oh, I was an Oiler fan. Do you feel when I was like a you kid. could talk to him, or is it going to be tough for you? Two thousand six, he was on that Carolina team that beat the Oilers in, in Game Seven. Uh, so might have to ask him about that. Okay, but he's he's kind of he's had one of the most fascinating careers. Like if you look up the amount of high quality teammates mm-hmm. he's had in his career, he's played with them all. It, like different eras, Lemieux to Sid, yeah, Marion Hosa to Patrice Bergeron. Like he has ran the gambit in terms of like awesome teammates uh and that's and there's a skill there right and we're gonna ask him about that how you just like fit into locker rooms so seamlessly and win with multiple teams i think it's you know it's kind of germane to the maple Leafs right now with all these new bodies and maybe he has some secrets to what it takes to just show up into a locker room and belong and contribute i definitely want to ask about a championship team and what makes up the winning culture because that's what the Maple Leafs are looking to cultivate. Maybe they found it. Maybe this post-trade deadline bump has added the right players. Maybe the core four is matured enough that that's where they're at. Uh, but he would know. Three three cups with three different teams. So what makes that a 
a winning roster. We'll talk to him a little later in the show. Across three decades, too, those uh, cups. It's pretty, pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah. Um, Shai Davidi is going to join us at 8. Uh, he's been at the World Baseball Classic. Canada, obviously, out of that tournament. But let's do uh, an overall look at the vibe, too, that was down there because he was right there on the ground. We could talk about that team and what's maybe the projection moving forward. And we'll we'll talk to Aaron Rose as well. Uh, a little bit of Raptors talk um, and about this shade of Steve Nash comparison. Mm-hmm. Maple Leafs are going to wear their St. Pat's jerseys tonight, of course. As it they is. Uh, I'm wearing my St. Pat's hat today. Justin is wearing a very southwestern um, Arizona vibe. My homage to number two Arizona who Not went down yesterday. Not a lick of green on your body. I wasn't thinking about... Uh, my attire much this morning. I lay my clothes out the night before just so I can just boom, get on, get out. I mean, you got a hat. It's not like... Uh, at least I thought about wearing green. I thought about it yesterday and I forgot today. Well, anyway, tonight will be fun. Um, obviously, the the Hurricanes without one of their biggest stars, um, Shvechnikov with his season-ending hip surgery. Uh, well, surgery is probably going to happen soon. So we'll see a little bit of a difference. Neat, wasn't it? Didn't he tear his ACL? Yeah, sorry. I know why I said hip. Thinking of my own hip. Thinking of your own hips. Thinking yeah. of my own hip. Um, someone's got a hip injury on that team, I'm sure. Luke Shen. Everyone's got a hip injury. L- Luke Shen would be back in the lineup, I think. So making his Toronto Maple Leafs debut times two. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be a really cool video board tribute, you think? Welcome home, Luke. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there'll be something. This is his first time I mean, back you would, here. You would know. You'd know probably what they have I planned. I would assume they'll do something. Or, you know what my prediction is? They'll put him in the starting lineup. For sure, because Sheldon Keith's actually good at making that. Yeah. Like when Ryan O'Reilly made his debut, they put him in lineup. When the, or, the, yeah, Swedes, they had the Swedes, they put him yeah. in. I would not be surprised if Luke Shen makes the starting lineup tonight. But you know how they usually do it is defense, defense, forward, 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 goalie. I think they'll go and leave Luke to the last introduction. Welcome back, Luke. Yes, make it like lineup. the last person that's that they That's the best introduce. way to do it. I, I think, think that's great. And maybe a little video board tribute where they just show him as a baby leaf when he was back here, mm-hmm. getting drafted by the Maple Leafs, his time here, and then his welcome home maybe when you know he joined the team. This is my prediction with legitimately zero zero knowledge. No, you got some knowledge. No, you have, have some s- internal knowledge of how things work. Zero knowledge on how this is going. Not like specific to Luke Shen, but like you've experience what they do inside. You were yeah. there for the Ryan O'Reilly one, were you not? Yeah, I was in attendance, but I'm not I'm not scripting this out. I'm just saying no, in a you... perfect world they would do this. Okay. We'll see. Um I'm not sure if we know who's gonna play who tonight, but I think Samsonoff and Murray will split the starts obviously this weekend. That's what we've been told. Yep. All right. We'll see more of that up later, but let's talk some March badness. Um if What it... was your experience like yesterday? I had it on for sure, like all day long. And I, you know, casually was viewing. I wasn't mm-hmm. sitting my butt down on the couch consuming every single game. But it's good because, you know, you're starting to hear rumblings that there's an upset coming. Then you dial in, right? Like, it, I, it's day one. I'm not, I'm not, consu- I didn't consume every single minute of it. On a scale of one to Daniele, where no. were you at? Three. Three? Yeah, I think I was like a three or four as well. And that's I got, fine. I, I, uh, Stay one, I was like, my plan coming in was like, okay, I'll pace myself here. I don't want to mm-hmm. bet all these games and lose a ton of money on things I don't actually know anything about. Not that, you know, it's gone overly well in the NHL or anywhere else either. Uh, but I digress. Um, but I've learned more and more that if you're in a bracket and a bracket pool and a, even like a small, especially, especially a smaller one, all that matters is your team that you picked to win. So I'm like, okay, I got UCLA as my winner. I got him in both brackets. UCLA is my team. I'm not going to freak out about everything that's happening because all I need is UCLA to go through. I'm just going to track UCLA and kind of play it cool. And I think that's the better approach. The more healthy approach for me and the one that's better for my bank account is just be a little bit cooler about everything. As you you mentioned, when there's something brewing, an upset brewing, that's when I'll dial Mm -hmm. in and that's when I'll get more invested. I'll watch my teams. I'm not going to freak out that Arizona lost because everyone had Arizona and it doesn't really matter to my brackets at all. So it was kind of like I'm trying to pace myself approach. I think I'll be a little bit more invested today uh, because there's no show to prepare for the next day. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the weekend. And we had a couple interesting things yesterday. Of course, with Princeton taking out Arizona, that crazy end to the Furman game. Mm-hmm. What was your highlight from yesterday? I mean, I got to say it. An Ivy League team making it through. Now, I, I, hold on. Like, are you allowed? 
Because every time we've hashtag mentioned... Hashtag One Ivy. We've, we've always mentioned... Hashtag One Ivy. Anytime Princeton especially has I'm come kind up of being in a conversation with you... I'm kind of being a little bit facetious with this, Justin. You, okay, yes. oh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm asking. Because I, you slander Princeton at every chance you of get. Of course I do. And then of you're celebrating like Ross Tucker no, on social I media No, I legitimately yesterday. sent you that video laughing because Ross Tucker went... You know Ross Tucker. Him and I go back and forth about our alma mater. Mm-hmm. And his video is absolutely hysterical on his Twitter. And then I, I actually loved it. It was a I great video. But I laughed for a second. I thought I would be exactly the same. I would be insufferable if Dartmouth even made it to the <laughs> March Madness. Like, Were they ever close to that? That is shocking. No. It is shocking, and it's a great look at a Cinderella-esque story. Now, I'm not happy that I don't love Princeton. Yes, of course. I like their arrival of mine. But the idea that an Ivy League school can actually hang with other schools is why I was excited because mm-hmm. we, you know, obviously, like football, for example, our Ivy League football league is completely different and everyone jokes like, oh, you guys suck at football. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not the same as, you know, Georgia. But it was a pride of ours when we went to school that our football team was pretty good in comparison to the other Ivy League schools. Playing Ivy League hockey versus other ECAC, NCAA teams it's a little bit different. You you know, you got to get in the school academically, right? So right. it is a smaller pool of people that can play for your hockey team. So how much smaller is it though? Really, a lot smaller. Really, you, like you have, you have to be, you have, I, you have to be a brainiac to play college athletics at an Ivy League. You have to get into the school academically. Because I heard, I heard someone say, someone was talking about Alex Kerfoot and how like smart of a guy he is, and I'm like, yeah, he went to Harvard, but I'm like. I was never, like, splitting the atom over here, Alex Kerfoot. You have to get into okay. the school. Ac- wow, look at you slandering would, my academic. I would, okay, I'll just say another thing. I well, had to pass. I had to get a, SAT scores the same. Like, personally, I don't know the... Ex- so the, someone who went fully on academics judged the same as someone who's going as a student athlete. I w- there's definitely a, a, a there's bump. There's no little safety net. There's definitely a bump because you're you're going to play... And that's what represent I'm asking. How big is that bump? Not... Not much? Not significant enough that you could get in. Well, but definitely high school me was not getting into... So you still have to <laughs> get in academically. You League. still need to get the same SAT scores as, you know, Molly in your psych class. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure when your paper comes across the admissions desk, there's a star saying we've recruited her to play hockey on our team. And maybe if I'm, you know, 20 points below Molly in my SAT subject score, I get an opportunity to, to also get into the school. But where I'm going with this, before you slandered my education, <laughs> something I'm very proud of getting in on. Um, uh, as you should be. And as there's you no be. athletic scholarships at Ivy League schools, so keep that in mind. Okay, that's a good point. So there's just, uh, the reason I was proud of seeing Princeton win a game as a 15 seed is because it just gives a little bit of validity to this academic and athletic combination of going to one of these schools. And, and especially playing either basketball or football on the men's side predominantly because you're talking about going to the NFL or NBA. Exactly. The one and dones, all like these, none of these like, guys are going to play all these anywhere. excuses to just funnel through and to get to the next level. Like, yeah, there are guys playing in the G league. There are guys that go overseas. There are guys that find other ways, but the most common way to go to the NBA is to go through A school, go through university and, and get there. Um, and a lot of ways, and a lot of times, there are lots of smart athletes. There are a lot of great students that are play, that are athletes uh, that go by it honorably. And of course, Ivy League is a bit of a different standard. But there are a lot of people that don't, mm-hmm. right? That get through it. And a lot of people, not to say anything about Arizona, but there might be a couple that are there strictly for basketball. And mm. the people at Princeton are not there strictly See, th- for that's, basketball. That's what I'm saying. Is personally, it could have went to like a Big Ten school. Like I could have went to Minnesota or. Ohio State, mm-hmm. and definitely needed significantly different grades to go to those schools. And I could have gone on a scholarship. And I'm sure all the guys that play for Princeton, Dartmouth, Cornell, yeah. Harvard had the same opportunity. So I'm just okay, saying the me, pool is a okay, lot so smaller, let me Justin. Just throw, let me just throw something at you. The Leafs picked a guy a couple years ago, maybe five years ago, I think in like the seventh round. And he did a press conference or mm-hmm. like a little Zoom thing. I think it was in the Zoom era. Anyway, uh, and he was like going to Harvard and someone asked him. Does he have him, a name? 
I forget what his name oh. and I don't I could probably find it but they're always going to Harvard with the Leafs. They're they must go, have they're some tie to, in. They're, they're, that's what I'm saying. What's the tie in? Are you just like allowed to go to Harvard? And someone said, <laughs> "What are you taking at Harvard?" And the guy's like, "Uh, I don't know yet, but we'll figure it out." That was pretty much his answer, paraphrasing. And I'm like, sure. "Dude, that's Harvard. You can't just not know what you're going to Harvard for." And that's 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 and why, that's why I've been sucks. always a little skeptical. But uh, I don't right. know. When we get on the break, I'll show you my high school transcripts, my SAT subject score, my SAT test, ACT test, and you can... What do you think I would get on? Would I be able to pass the SAT? No. Anyway, this is far too much discussion on this. All I Why? was saying... It's, it's good. All I was saying was, before we got off track, was I saw Ross Tucker celebrating, and I, like, rolled my eyes, because I ah, screw you, Ross Tucker, but then I thought I would be exactly the same. That's why it's exciting. It's different. It's literally... Not even expected to happen. You were the 15th seed. You upset Arizona. I was excited for the idea of it. And I thought, wow, wouldn't that be a joyous moment if I had that with my alma mater? I was excited to see that. Hashtag one Ivy. Okay. We, so all, we all band together. For, for now, you can cheer for Princeton. You're allowed to. Uh, and then uh, Furman obviously upsetting Virginia was a really, really awesome too. So we had two big upsets yesterday. We did have two big and one big mistake in that Furman one. What uh, was that? Uh, eh? you, but not, even Princeton that is going not, on like a 7-0 run. That's not Princeton IQ from that guy, no. Clark, that threw it away. But Princeton went on like a 7-0 run to finish the game. Like, where were you, Arizona? I don't know. Sleeping. I, didn't, I was maybe sleeping during that. Oh, I, didn't, sleeping. I didn't see much of that game, unfortunately. A reminder, though, from next year. Couple trends, right? Like the Mountain West is always terrible. They always blow it. <laughs> the Mountain always, West. The Mountain eh? West is a bad conference. But the Ivy League... The Ivy League, they always cover. What were they, 12-point dogs? Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it was. The Ivy League is always game. It's because they're doing they math smart, on they the bench. They smart their way through. They intelligence their way through things. That's right. They figure out with their brains how to overcome any athletic deficit. And that's what you did during your career at Dartmouth. That's right. So brackets are busted around the world. Uh, I think there's like 0.12% that remain after day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots to come though. Super exciting to follow along. I love the upsets. Uh, not so much for my bracket. I did have Arizona in my final four. Not, not winning though. So I still hope for me, but dwindling and that, and that's opportunity. kind of my point with like getting so mad about it. I got Arizona losing in the elite eight and in a small pool that they lost in the first round is actually a good thing. Yeah. So if you, you can like, if you're just, if you're in a big pool, yeah, Arizona losing, if you had them going reasonably far, it's probably really bad. But if you're in a small pool, which I'm predominantly <laughs> am now, uh, it's not, it's actually probably a good thing. So I can look at our submissions for our bracket challenge online. Um, do you want me to tell you how many people had Arizona going to the final? Um, do I like guess. A, do you have like a percentage? So. It's final four. We have the final four question. The you final four question. One second. I can see what they thought about who was going to win. Um, Arizona. A lot of people thought we had 6% of recipients or participants thought that Arizona would win the national championship. 6%? Yeah. Percent thought they were going to win the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, There's going to be like 6% that much. Well, it's a lot for our submissions. No, I thought, I thought you were talking about region. No, no. 6% thought they would win the entire national championship. Mm. Um, a lot of people thought, are obviously, our biggest, I'll just say, our, everybody thinks in our um, bracket that... Alabama is going to win, followed by Houston. Those are our, our two highest results um, mm -hmm. on our fan morning show bracket challenge, which we got 140 people respond to. That's nice. pretty good. Um, so that's fine. But I can, I can go through and just, you know, peek around and see what people are thinking. Um, and so I think a lot of people have some brackets busted this time around. Yeah, the brackets are, the brackets are toast. They're ripped to shreds. Yeah. Uh, and now people have to find a different way to enjoy things over the next couple, next three days. You'll find a way. Um, most people also had we'll do them. We'll that in the wake and rake. Yeah, most people also had them advancing to the final four. 20% uh, had it at that. So it's best of luck, folks. Okay, a um, couple more things here to touch on before we take a break, do the A-list and continue. Uh, QJMHL, wait, Q, the Q. The Q. I never have ever said that full, the QMJHL out loud. It's a bit of a tongue twister. The Q. Um, made some headlines yesterday saying that they are expected to ban fighting for next season. Obviously, fighting is not really like allowed in general, but ban it, ban it from the sport. So, mm -hmm. um, quote, the QMJHL is planning to have a rule in place that will ban fighting, making it black and white that is no longer part of our game. The punishments have not yet been decided, 
We'll be looking to have a rule in place in June when the next general annual assembly of the members of the Board of Governors take place. Now, it's obviously made headlines for taking this stance, being the first really to say that we are banning fighting from our league. Yeah, so I got some caveman in me. Uh, I've had some caveman in me in a long time, for a long time. I like a good fight. I like a good UFC fight, boxing fight, hockey fight. It's all. It all helps the entertainment value. I remember when I was actually an OHL fan, I guess, a long, long time ago, watching the Brampton Battalion and Mississauga Ice Dogs play each other on New Year's Eve, and there'd be a million fights, and that'd be the best part of it, and that was all very, very exciting. But I'm, I'm for this. I don't think junior hockey needs fighting. And I go back to, I don't know, maybe like eight, nine years ago, I was doing some stuff for the Niagara Ice Dogs, different Ice Dogs, um, and I remember watching Trevor Carrick, who did go to the NHL. I don't know if he's currently still in the NHL. He was drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes. He fought. I think he was playing for I, Miss- I played hockey with this guy. Did you? Yeah, because he's from Stovall. I just looked up. I played hockey with Trevor Carrick. There you go. <laughs> and, hey, buddy. And, and Trevor Carrick I did, yeah. beat the brakes off a kid no, two, he was or three gritty. Years, he was gritty. two or three years younger than him. And I was like, do we really, really need... Because there's a big difference between a 19-year-old playing in the O or the Q or the Dub and a 16-year-old just coming up and trying to make his way. Like, there's a big, big difference in maturity and physicality and strength, and it's almost dangerously so. Like, three years is nothing in the NHL. Three years in junior hockey, it's a really big difference between strength and your ability to, like, actually hurt someone. And this Trevor Carrick kid, your buddy, beat the brakes off him. And it was almost... It was... It was cringe it was really difficult to watch when i'm when i like reflect on it and i thought that kind of like changed my perspective on it because there's so much to try to prove when you're in the Mm -hmm. o like you're trying this is you trying to make yourself as a hockey player whether it's show yourself for scouts whether it's go to school after whatever you're gonna do like this is your chance This is your chance to go from a minor hockey situation to a situation where you can make a career out of Mm -hmm. this game. So you try to prove yourself both in your ability to play hockey, but also your ability to be tough. And a 16-year-old getting his face beaten in, caved in by a guy who was drafted into the NHL and I think did play for a second or two, uh, was uncomfortable and frankly unneeded. And I think you see too much of that at the Ontario Hockey league level in the queue in the he dub. Seven games in there, the NHL. There you go. He did make it, uh, and I don't think it's needed. If they started doing this in the NHL, I would definitely be pushing back. I would not be um, all that in favor of it. But in a developmental league where kids are different sizes and strengths, I, I don't think it's needed. And I think this is probably a good move for the queue, and hopefully something that does set some sort of precedent. Okay, I have a couple concerns with this though first of all how they're going to enforce it obviously that's to be decided but it's going to be very difficult to enforce this because you already don't allow fighting so what is the punishment is my question are you suspended are you just like i don't know where you're going with this but yeah well well, you sports they've successfully outlawed fighting right yeah i mean there i guess there could be fights there have been fights but there are strict punishments So there has to be strict punishments. happens at the double ihf where you just don't play i think like there are major suspensions so i'm sure it'll just mirror that part two though what if you're playing in the queue and you're getting scouted and you're not allowed to fight you're not allowed to show your physicality your grit and then you are going up against somebody when you're getting drafted that's played in the O, that's been able to do this, that's played in a different a different league. Yeah, that's and a good point. cross-referencing these two players, if you're a scout and you've seen that Bobby can lay a hit, he can fight, he can stand up for his other teammates, he can, you know, play a game and have show accountability. This is the other thing. I'll get to that in a second. But can play that style of hockey. Maybe he gets drafted over... Ricky, who's in the queue, just because Ricky hasn't had an opportunity to show that. That's part one of it. But like, what scouts are what? No, 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 I, no you're not getting. You're not going to the NHL because you have fighting that. ability. But part now. two you're of not, that, you're just not. Part two of that is you go to the NHL and you haven't been able to fight, and now first game up, you're put in a fight against Bobby, who's been yeah, but who's, fighting. Who's ever put in that position? Like we talked about. There's people that try to earn their spot, Justin. Like you might be an opportunity that, that, in the first couple weeks to have to fight your way into a, a does line. That, does that happen anymore? Yeah. Does it? Yeah. When's the, what's the last player that you saw fight his way into an NHL job? Okay, don't have it written down. It just doesn't happen okay, much Okay, part anymore. two it of this, It used to though, happen. It doesn't happen much Part anymore. two of these things, at three even, is, okay, you're not allowed to fight, but how, how are guys going to show, you know, accountability for 
a poor play. It's going to get chippy. How are there's, they going to police the game? There's going to be policing I think that's, that's the even worse. Issue. Infractions like, you know, stick infractions, gritty things that little weasels out there that can't fight now are going to find another way to punish Bobby or Ricky for a play that well, they didn't agree with. It's an ideal world, right, for Michael Bunting. Like, he can be so greaseball Michael Bunting there's gonna without be people, ever having to deal with it. So there's, uh, and I'm not saying I'm not for this idea. I'm just saying there are a couple things that I thought of when I read this. I think that's really great. And this is probably the step that leagues will take following it. But if one league does it and others don't, there's a complete difference in, in your play. And there's a way that the policing mm. of the, there's a policing of the league that's going to get a little gritty. Okay, so with the policing first, if you're going to crack down on fighting, that means you have to crack down on the other things. They didn't say that. And who knows if they're going to. Well, that's, I'm just saying. What, is this going to be a league what, where you can't touch anybody I'm now? I'm just saying that's what you have to do. If you're <laughs> going to have a guy that's going to come in and now run around with head hits, you have to crack down on the head hits and make sure that you are suspending players for doing those things because, you're right, the internal accountability, that um, option is less viable, mm -hmm. I suppose. However, depending on 16 and 17-year-olds to police their own game is is not a strategy you should be banking on anyway. Yeah, it's, it it's does just happen they're, they're not way, capable of doing it. They don't do it effectively. That's what's keeping the what's keeping the cue on the straight and narrow and allowing the game to flow in a any sort of way is not because there's a threat of the fight looming. It's just not how hockey's played anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, And whether you think that's good or bad, that's just not how it is. Uh, I don't think it affects draft eligibility. People think, oh, I'm going to take the guy from the O because they're tougher than the guy from the Q. No, I don't think that's... I, don't, I, I think there's a, don't think a that's, 5% even chance because not everyone's like a top two-line guy. There okay, are people so, that are going to be drafted for a bottom... Okay. Pair, a bottom pairing, a bottom six guy that has physicality. And if you haven't been able to fight or show any of that, I think it's going to matter 5%, Justin. Okay, so if it's only 5%, that means maybe you go from being a fourth rounder to a fifth rounder, maybe. And that's a way sure. bigger percentage than five. And what is the stat on guys who actually make it from the draft after 30th overall, like 2%? Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about anything that's actually going to affect anything, at least I don't think. A player that deserves to be in the league is going to get to the league either way because that's just what happens now. Mm -hmm. um, there might be a guy who doesn't get to say, you know, the guy who's got 300 penalty minutes in the queue that gets to tell every, all of his buddies that he was drafted in the sixth round of the NHL. Like maybe that's not available anymore, but does that change the game or hurt the game in any material way? No, I don't, I don't think so. Guys are not getting drafted because they're facey punchy guys. They get drafted because they're tough, and mm -hmm. you can show that you're tough in other ways. Nolachari shows that he's tough every single shift he's out there in the NHL. He doesn't do that because he's going Trevor Carrick on dudes every every game. Like that's Leave just Trevor out of this. That's that's just not how it goes. So I don't know. Yeah, there 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 are some things. There, there are, are some, some things, things to consider. But honestly, the safety and health of the players obviously is is most important. I just think if one league does it. Other leagues probably need to do it too. They probably will eventually. And the CHL is, you know, the umbrella. The CHL umbrella has all of these leagues underneath it. And if there's success or failure with what the Q is doing, uh, it'll affect what the other leagues are doing. But again, I don't, I don't think the NHL is in a worse spot because the Q is outlawing fighting. Uh, I just, I think it's probably better for the safety of kids who are 90 to 95% of them not going to make anything of their career, at least in terms of the NHL. I think it's a great question to ask our listeners at 595.90. Your thoughts on the Q going to be banning fighting for next season, um, how that might affect a player that's currently playing in it or not playing in it, their draft, whatever, if you think it's a great move or not. I know there's been a lot of debate online about it. I can see both sides of the argument. seems like it's going to happen. It's actually so. funny because Trevor Carrick might be like a real perfect example for what we're talking about. Seven games in the NHL was physically dominant at that level. Maybe his ability to fight helped him in some way. Some way get drafted in the fourth oh, round? Maybe. Look at you coming around. Somebody I'm, just, I'm just texted uh, in. I'm just uh, saying, I think he's kind of the perfect example. But does the NHL miss Trevor Carrick right now? Is it missing Trevor Carrick? You know, what? I don't care about if the NHL is missing or not. This is this guy's dream, too. Like, he got to play in the NHL, and he's probably still playing. Sorry, I don't have his stats. I'm in the I, AHL. Yeah, he's probably playing. It's not just about the NHL. He's playing somewhere. It's he's about the AHL somewhere. career, too, because these guys can make a living and play in the AHL for Yep. Eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Curtis Gabriel, Gabriel, right? Was the Gabriel. was the last leaf as a Texas came in that had to fight his way in. Didn't have to fight his way in. Yeah. He was brought so in. Says, he was brought into best. the Leafs because, well, he might have had some of that in him, but they wanted. I just, just, he had already made the NHL. He was an NHLer. This is the same as when they changed the hitting in. age, remember? They changed the like minimum, the age you had before you're allowed to start hitting in minor hockey, right? Sure. Well, it was an outroar about that. And now there's going to be a conversation about this. And we'd I'm, like to I'm, encourage I'm it in more, the text line. I'm more against them banning hitting than banning fighting. Well, they're never going to ban that, hitting. You just ban, talked about it. No, 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 no. They, they made it, you had to be a little bit older to start hitting, yeah, so, I mean, Yeah, so banning, ban it on, it. No, banning it for younger kids or kids that don't play AAA. That's mm-hmm. not fair to, that's my biggest issue. Especially as someone who didn't play, who got better as he went on in his minor <laughs> hockey career mm-hmm. and played the highest level in his last years. What chance would have I had to play None. at, at <laughs> the AA, AAA level if they didn't allow hitting when See, I was playing single this is where the consistency a. needs to happen. No, but th- that's what I'm saying. Hitting it should hitting is part of the game. You can't play at a higher level without mm-hmm. having experience hitting and knowing what that feels like. Fighting, you don't have to do. You don't have to fight if you don't want to mm-hmm. at any league. You shouldn't have to at any league. But to play hockey within the whistles, you need to be able to take and give a hit. So to separate those things, I think that's detrimental to the game. The fights that happen in hockey are all outside of the game. Yes, they are happen on the ice, but they happen between whistles. I remember when I was playing AAA, not a big deal, Justin. And I got to the age where hitting became allowed. I don't remember what age this was. Mm-hmm. And you had to learn how to receive a hit and give a hit properly. Was there always hitting in AAA? You don't start hitting when you're six years old. When did that happen? I don't, when do you start hitting? Do you, I no, don't know. No guess? I have no idea at this point. Okay. I have too many concussions to answer that. But there was a point where you start to learn where hitting gets introduced into, I'm sure some old text in, where hitting is introduced in. And I remember going, I remember it was at Pickering College, and that rink is the coldest rink in Ontario. And we were skating, and we had like a hitting line, and you had to skate down the boards. I remember this vividly. So I played for York Simcoe Express. And skate down the line, and everybody had to give you a hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so bad. But you're skating down the boards, and Buddy hits you. Then Buddy hits you, and you just yeah. go through this hitting line. Just little bumps. And I was so nervous about it because I was the only girl getting like bodied by my teammates. But it teaches you about physicality and I remember thinking well this actually will make me a better player when I play girls hockey down the road and I did and I had like an edge of physicality that maybe you didn't have when you were growing up so it's certainly learning these things at a young age but if you're coming from a different league and you can't fight in the queue and then you come into the NHL and you have to fight I just think that who has to fight in the NHL that's my point you don't have to hitting starts at U14 or 14U old bantam i feel like i was hitting before then but again that was a long yeah time because ago. you're probably a little rad out there hitting guys no i'm just saying I'm we just i think we were hitting before we were 14 um colin and barry we're gonna take a break but he said a guy like tanner Janot will definitely lose value tanner Janot scored 25 goals as a rookie in the nhl i love this debate Five ninety-five ninety. we're gonna keep reading these because it's spicy we're gonna take a break though because we got the a-list on the other side and then we have a special saint patrick's day Draft at seven. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The JD Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for hey, the A list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. Point on our previous discussion, the league will have a lot more Michael Buntings and Jordan Bennington's. Eh? I don't doubt that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, well, I, don't I mean, Jordan Bennington did more? try to fight. I don't know about, kind of, a, don't know about really. a lot more. Maybe you just have like more. it's easier for those guys to keep doing what they're doing, and they'll maybe do it more at the junior level if they live in Quebec or play in a Quebec league. All right, keep your texts coming at five nine five ninety. We get some good discussion in the text line. Um, here's a story that just came out a couple weeks late, but is spooky. The Clippers were chartered from one game to another back in February. And their plane was struck by lightning on December 25th. So they're on their way to Denver. 
The plane was struck by lightning. It dropped in altitude several times. Shrieks could be heard from passengers in what some staffers called one of the worst moments they've experienced in their life. In their life. And then if you look at the Clippers' schedule after, they went on a four-game losing streak. And mm-hmm. I don't blame them because there were players and staff that thought they were going to die on this airplane. And I don't know why we didn't hear about this till now. It just came out two days ago, and I just saw this article. But if my plane got if my plane got hit by lightning and it dropped several times due to doubt, like just ripping around the sky, no, no, not playing for a couple of days. Oh, I thought I thought you know a little perspective would you know Ooh, maybe help things out a little hurts. bit. Your stomach hurts from what? that. Have that, you, that they, oh, they survived. Better. Like Kawhi is like, man, I only have so, so much time here. I got. No, I, gotta, I think that rattled you to your core. I got to make sure that I, you know, I got to, I got to make things happen here in LA. I, I promised the Clippers organization <laughs> something when I came over, and I've been doing a lot of load managing. Maybe, you know, I don't have much time left in this, in the, in the NBA. I've got to make sure that we put our best foot forward mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I would be shook. I don't think I'd be sleeping well for I think a day it's or prob- two. Probably uncorrelated. Would, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just saying something to gnaw on. Um, Speaking of planes, it's the gnawing phase of the show. As yeah, we haven't to got to the chewing phase. yet. You're yeah. nibbling here. Um, speaking of planes, another investigative journalism piece out here. Apparently, the Yankees, when they travel on their airplanes, a million billion dollar franchise, one of the world's most valuable. Big team travel A list here. That's right. They do not pay for their players' Wi Fi. They have to buy their own in-flight Wi-Fi if you're on the New York Yankees. Are you kidding and me? And you want to use the Wi-Fi. Sorry, you have we're, to talking pay about, for we're talking about yourself. the Arizona Coyotes, right? The New York Yankees, the pinstripes, the guys with bajillion dollar contracts. Why do you think that have is? Have to pay for their own Wi-Fi. We got to get to a we got to get to a place. This is wild. We got to get to a place in life where Wi-Fi is just on planes. Like, why am I paying for bad Wi-Fi on a plane? I don't want to pay it, and then I'm more angry about my, well, at myself brutal. and at the airline because the Wi-Fi never works anyway. And some of the players, like Jameson Tyon said, I didn't pay for it on principle. Spent two years with the Yankees, didn't pay for Wi-Fi because he's like, screw it. I'm not paying $9 or whatever for Wi-Fi. And um, one other quote here, I believe it was from Brett, oh, Brett Gardner said, it's your fault your contract's so big they can't pay for the Wi-Fi, so... Wow. You got to do yourself. That's. I feel like that's the lame way to be like. Let's be dialed in always. Let's be you thinking. Think? Let's be thinking about the game and doing. Let's go over they, the game notes. Later in than, this article, they talk about how they have poker tables and a bunch of other fun games on the plane, so it doesn't really matter too much. But what if you want to check your feed? Oh, exactly. I mean, check the scores of other games. There you go. If you're working on your brand while working on your your. Yeah, baseball game, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, that's the time Pretty to do wild. it. That's Pretty wild. That's the time to be doing brand things so on an airplane. even the most rich. We spend a lot of time on airplanes. Millionaires have to pay $9 for... That's weak. Wi-Fi. Coyotes level. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's take a break, because on the other side, Justin and I are doing a very special St. Patrick's Day draft that you can also participate with on the text line.